Hello, today is Monday, September 25th, 2023, and welcome to episode 253 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm Morgan Vigna, NSI Senior Fellow, and I'm joined here today by Jamil Jaffer, NSI Executive Director, Jessica Jones, NSI Deputy Executive Director, and NSI Senior Fellow, Wes Munson. Today, we are discussing Kenya's offer to intervene in Haiti to lead a Chapter 7 multinational police force of around 2,000 soldiers to combat the gang violence and restore peace. Jamaica, Barbuda, and Antigua have also offered to support this mission. Last Thursday, Secretary of State Tony Blinken met with Kenyan President William Ruto in New York just a few hours before Ruto gave his speech before the UN General Assembly, where he mentioned his country's support for Haiti. And in his speech just two days before, President Biden called on the UN Security Council to authorize the mission. The council is expected to vote this week. Now, the United Nations has a poor track record in Haiti. In 2010, UN peacekeepers from Nepal introduced cholera, resulting in the deaths of tens of thousands. Sexual exploitation and abuse by UN peacekeepers against the country's most vulnerable has also inflicted further pain on the Haitian people. Clearly, in Haiti, the UN's motto of do no harm does not apply. Les, kicking it over to you, is this mission a good idea? Why is another UN mission necessary, especially after so many have failed? And what makes this one any different? Well, there's a real crisis in Haiti, Morgan, and I'm glad we're talking about it. Uh, there's a there's a humanitarian crisis. Half of Haitians are reliant on outside aid for food. Uh, there's a complete breakdown in the societal structure. Uh, there's no real government in that country. This has been going on for a while, but we've needed some sort of uh, solution to Haiti for well over a year, going on two years now. So this is this uh, solution, if it works, is late. I don't know why it's so late. Uh, I'm a little worried that the UN Security Council is subject to a Chinese and a Russian veto. I hope the administration has worked that out. Frankly, I think we could have had a quicker solution and perhaps an easier solution working through a regional grouping like OAS or uh, CARICOM or something like that. But US leadership's required. There's a real possibility of violence between uh, Haiti and DR along the Massacre River, uh, where Haitians have started building canals and possible contravention of international agreements. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of issues here. I'm glad the administration is finally acting. I hope this works. By the way, to your point about the UN having a bad track record in Haiti, everyone has had a bad track record in Haiti. Haiti has had a bad track record in Haiti. It's a it's a benighted place. It's a real problem, uh, and I hope we get in there fast with a solution. Jamil, it's not clear how this mission is going to be funded. However, it's expected that the United States is going to pay for a major portion of it. Why should we be saddled with this burden? And what are the alternatives here? Why does this matter? I mean, I don't know if it's saddled with this burden. I mean, look, Haiti is in our hemisphere. It's it's a two-hour flight from Miami, 830 miles off the coast of the United States. I mean, if the U.S. is going to have any influence in the world, we've got to be able to handle problems in our own region. Uh, the fact that we're handing this over to the U.N., the fact that we're not dealing with it directly ourselves. We've, yes, we've had trouble in Haiti. Everyone's had trouble in Haiti. As Les rightly points out, the Haitians themselves uh, have faced challenges. But the idea that the U.S. should just abandon uh, Haiti to somebody else and let them figure it out, let it be somebody else's problem, the Kenyans or whomever's, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And so, you know, not only should the U.S. be there to be active, you know, if we're going to have to pick up the burden, I mean, so be it. Uh, but this is our backyard. And if we can't can't deal with things in our own backyard, you know, where are we going to deal with them? I mean, we're we're spending billions in Ukraine. We can't spend yeah, a few hundred million in Haiti that, to, to, you know, in our own, in the Caribbean. I mean, 
It's ridiculous. Well, I mean, that's the question, right, Jamil? And, and what, Jess, I'll turn it over to you. I mean, Congress right now can't even agree on a supplemental for, for Ukraine. Um, clearly, this additional funding for Haiti, uh, $100 million, possibly that's the floor. Like, why why is Congress going to go along with this? Well, I mean, so I think to the point what I, you know, I was focused on when I was thinking about this is when you read the reports about the Kenyan force, it's I think the size is something like, you know, under 1500 is what they're contemplating. And you look at previous um, force size and it's, you know, I think during the U.S. led, it was like 21,000. And so to to let to Les's point of just this complete breakdown in, in Haiti, what is 1500, what are 1500 people going to, what difference can that possibly make in terms of actually bringing security or even like transport of humanitarian pharmaceuticals, medicine, which is, you know, ultimately like one of their primary missions. And so I think beyond even the funding, actually thinking about whether there's going to be real impact and real help delivered by what we're, con- the four size we're contemplating right now. Right. Les, let's put it this way. I mean, you served as staff director of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. What what do you think the Senate authorizers right now are thinking about when it comes to um, oversight of the, this mission and and how um, the United States is going to sort of maintain uh, oversight over the UN when it comes to uh, execution? Uh, well, there's there's a long history of congressional oversight on UN peacekeeping mission mor- missions. Morgan, you're you're as aware of that as anybody, uh, and and I think we we don't have time on this podcast to dive into all the details. But since uh, the debacle in Somalia in 1993, uh, the lack of effort in Rwanda and and how poorly that turned out has led to Congress being very interested in the details of peacekeeping missions. I think that's appropriate. I think Congress should be doing that. I think they should be examining missions that are too expensive or have lasted too long or have outlived their usefulness. Uh, so that's that's fine. But the, it's an important tool for U.S. policymakers. It's not a perfect tool. It's not the tool they should use every time, but it's an important tool. It should work well. And the administration is committed to uh, backing up these multilateral tools like UN peacekeeping, I think they need to do a better job on executing. This has been too long coming together. We've been, we were waiting around for the Canadians to show leadership. Now Kenya stepped up probably because of the political situation for the new president in Kenya. He's trying to show that he can be an international leader because he's having some trouble at home. Uh, I, so this, this has taken too long. I hope it doesn't become too expensive, but the, the critical thing really is to act now in Haiti. Well, this is what I don't get, Les. Why, why isn't the, I mean, why aren't we leading? Why are we waiting for the, uh, the Canadians, the 51st state to lead? I mean, are you, and now Kenya's going to lead in our own region. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, the idea that the U.S. can't put a hundred million dollars into Haiti, right? Or, and, and frankly, put more U.S. effort into our own backyard is a joke. The fact that Congress is upset about this is ridiculous. We should have been there years ago. This is exactly why Russia and China think they can take advantage of us is because we don't even, we don't even work in our own backyard. I mean, the Monroe Doctrine is laughably gone by now. We can't even deal with Haiti. Forget Latin and South America. No wonder the Chinese are all over that. Okay, a little bit of devil's advocate, though, because to Morgan's story, bringing up the history of intervention, it has gone horribly wrong at times when the U.S. has led intervention in Haiti. So actually, rather than on the ground, Jamil, maybe having like looking to other leadership. I'm not saying I'm obviously we've talked about Haiti three times since like in one year. So, yes, the U.S., the Biden administration has not moved quickly enough. But to say, like, immediate answer is just send in the U.S., send in the U.S. when possibly Haitians don't want to see U.S. forces there is something to uh, no, consider. No, you're right. We should, send, we should send in the Kenyans or the Canadians. <laughs> I mean, what a – I mean, any – no other first world power would behave like this. It's an embarrassment. 
It's pathetic. All right, so we're going to leave it at that. <laughs> That's a wrap. Thank you so much to Tatum Clifton, Claude Jennings, and the NSI staff for their help in producing today's episode. Join us again on Wednesday, September 27th, for another episode of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you smart, fast on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. Fault Lines is now on YouTube, so check out our channel for a video of today's episode. If you like what you heard, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. 